Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski. And for those of you that are signing on, I wanted to extend a big, big, big warm welcome. And um, I would also ask that as you're signing on, if in the chat box, you can tell us where you're from. Is this, you know, Maria from Montana or Franca from France or Mary from Mississauga and what parish you're from. We love hearing from you. Um, we just love knowing who's here because it just gives us a sense of that no, we're not alone. I also wanted to take this opportunity to welcome Enza. Enza, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really, really amazing to, to have you here. I'll never forget, you know, when you spoke actually at the Dynamic Women of Faith Conference, you had, I don't know, three or 400 women spellbound. So thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, I do want to uh, welcome um, Liz from Mississauga. Rema from, um, uh, she's the mother's group leader actually at St. Benedict Parish. And then we have uh, Peachtree. Oh, hello, Peachtree. <laughs> I've never met a Peachtree before. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, Ellen, uh, Ellen Lynn from uh, Annunciation in Toronto. Christina Zasowski is one of our mother's group leaders, actually All Saints Parish. Mary Shirali from Woodbridge. St. Padre Pio Parish. Hey, Mary, we don't have a mother's group at St. Padre Pio's Parish, <laughs> so maybe you can start one. Anyway, um, a big warm welcome. Nelsie is our mother's group leader in Milton. Uh, uh, Tatiana from Epiphany of Our Lord in Scarborough. So just a big, big, big warm welcome. I know uh, some of you like to chat in the chat and then others don't. And so I want to tell those of you that maybe are joining us for the first time a little bit more about our ministry. Um, if you'd like to learn more about our ministry, I always say all you have to do is remember three words, Catholic Moms Group. Dot com. So you could visit catholicmomsgroup.com. Uh, we are faith partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto, and we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we do so primarily by helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. Um, you know, we find that in today's day and age, you know, the last 50 years, motherhood has changed so dramatically. And, you know, women, moms right now are expected to have a perfect Instagram account, a perfect figure, a Martha Stewart home, um, you know, kids that are in the IB program and make $100,000 a year and a beautiful home and so on and so on and so forth. And our culture is putting so many crazy and unrealistic demands on women. And what very often happens in that crazy busyness, sometimes we forget what's the most important thing, right? And really the most important thing for a mom and dad to do is pass down the Catholic faith. If you leave a powerful spiritual legacy, your children are going to be able to deal with all of the different challenges that, you know, that they're faced with. And the other thing that a lot of moms forget is that our Blessed Mother 
wants to help you mother your children. You've got your own coach, man. You've got a supernatural mom in heaven. So um, I want to share with you just a quick um, ministry video uh, before I do, you know, a whole hello from Catherine Lewis, a hello, uh, Claude, great to see you here. But I am going to share our short ministry video. And then I know we're all really eager to hear Enzo's talk, but give me just one second here. Come Holy Spirit, there we go. So we, if you go to our website, you'll note that we can help parishes start three types of groups. We can help them start a group for moms only, for mothers and tots, and we can also help parishes start virtual programs. And um, this short little vid video, says it all. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God to know him and love him, and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending mass could not name the mom sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? a group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mother's group, it's not rocket science, but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mothers groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mothers group starter kit. 
and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mothers group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mothers group at your parish. Join us today. called today to start a Catholic moms group. Um, we've got a mother's group in North Pole, Alaska. We've got one in Minnesota. We've got one in Indiana. And of course, we've got them across the Archdiocese of Toronto and now the Diocese of Hamilton and St. Catherine. So we're growing and we want you to be part of the team. Now, We've invited uh, Enza today to talk about a, a very, very um, just sensitive topic and an exciting journey that she's been on. Um, Enza, before you start your reflection, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know a, a lot of you here know Enza, but a lot of people don't. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, okay, so um, let's start with family. Uh, I am the youngest of four daughters, and um, uh, I have a beautiful uh, mother and father as well. They're still with me, thank God. Uh, I have five nieces and nephews and uh, two great nieces. One is on the way and due to arrive in January, so uh, may the Lord keep them and protect them all. Um, I I uh, used to work as a legal assistant for criminal lawyers for 10 years way back when, and uh, I had a kind of shift in life, and God uh, brought me to Aid to Women, where I was the executive director there for six years, and I see that there's a couple of volunteers from Aid to Women. Um, shout out to all of you. Uh, God bless you. Anne Vizinton, I love you. Jenny, I love you very much. You're always in my heart, um, and uh after being there at Aid to Women, which is a crisis pregnancy center, and uh, our ministry was to do sidewalk counseling because next door was the abortion clinic. We helped a lot of women there. And after that, I moved on to um, a parish in Hamilton for a couple of years. And then now currently I'm the, the events and communications coordinator in the Office of Formation for Discipleship at the Archdiocese of Toronto. It's quite a mouthful. I just shorten it and say OFD, basically. Uh, and uh, that's where I'm at right now and um, doing great. I mean, we just closed off one of our, our, our conference of the year and it went really smoothly. And uh, I'm not sure if anybody participated, but uh, I hope some of you did. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I guess, you know, just before you get into your reflection, um, you know, women, food, depression, anxiety, finding our identity in Christ, um, you know, these are very, very topics that are all very, you know, close to my home. I always say if you're in the human condition, we're going to experience depression and the human condition, we're going to experience anxiety. So um, we look forward to, to hearing your thoughts. We look forward to hearing your story. Um, thank you for your courage and thank you for your yes. Thank you for your authenticity and vulnerability. So um, I'm just going to let you take it from here. Okay. Um, 
Uh, I'm really grateful that you're giving me this opportunity. And it was, it was really strange that day that we spoke. Uh, I just, when you asked, I just knew God was really encouraging me to share because I don't usually share personal stuff like this. I can talk uh, from here to high heaven about A2 women and all the people there, but about myself, it, it definitely was hard, but I'm actually feeling really comfortable and excited. Uh, I just hope I don't depress all of you because it's a, it's a bit of a depressing story, but there is hope and joy at the end. So uh, I just wanted to um, let all of you know that I, I'm sharing this because I really believe that God um, has an intention of touching somebody's heart, somebody's mind and opening up things for them. And so I think I'm hoping that that's the case today. And, and that's really my, my desire today uh, to share this. So why don't we invite the Lord um, to come uh, into this talk and to really um, be with us. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us from the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb until this very day. Jesus, you said we're two or more gathered in your name, Lord, that you are here present with us. And we trust you, Lord. We trust that you are here with us. Holy Spirit, speak to us and inspire us to become the daughters of God that we are meant to be. Mary, our beautiful mother, help us to receive the Lord's healing touch with open arms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So let's start from the beginning. Sorry. <laughs> I can put away my cell phone. Uh, okay, so it's a bit of a long story, but when I was little, like all my life, um, I always searched for a place where I belonged. You know, I'm the youngest of four daughters, and I was definitely different from my sisters. You know, I was a whiner. I was the animated one. I was the loud one, the stubborn one, still am the stubborn one, the adventurous one, the rebel, the entertainer, and especially the troublemaker. But because I was so different, I often felt like I didn't belong, and I was often misunderstood, which alienated me even more. So I was often, like, really sad when I was a child, but never understood. In 2011, I joined A2 Women, but before then, I spent years uh, suffering through mental and emotional uh, pain, I, pain that I didn't understand. I felt out of place, inadequate in my job. I felt unloved, unworthy of love or success. Uh, I hated myself, like everything about myself, and I, I honestly wish that I was someone else. So just before A2 Women came into my life, I was begging the Lord for guidance, and he guided me to A2 Women. And it's the mission of serving women in crisis pregnancies that really helped me to see how God made me. You know, I, I began to understand that scripture passage in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter one, verse five, the Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So how incredibly important and precious and loved are we that the God of the, the creator of the whole universe thought of each and every one of us specifically before we were even conceived. I mean, it's something you have to ponder on and sit on that for a little while. It's, it's pretty profound. But for me, it was really hard to believe this because how could the Lord, like, how could the Lord think of me that way when I thought I was this most horrible person? But he was showing me that he doesn't make junk and I was believing a bunch of lies instead. So in late 2013, I experienced a loss. 
uh, that honestly rocked my entire world, threw everything upside down. My heart had been broken into itty bitty pieces and I felt paralyzed emotionally and mentally. You know, I became very depressed and angry and I started to experience burnout. I felt broken and I blamed God and I couldn't trust him anymore. You know, sometimes when I would pray back then, I would see an image in my mind of me standing next to Jesus and before us was just like a million, million pieces, like shattered pieces just spread across the floor. And I remember feeling panic and turning to him and saying, Lord, this is me. You know, I, I'm shattered. I'm lost. I, I don't know how to fix this. Help me, help me. You know, I was really panicked. But you know, the way JC is, he just kind of doesn't say anything. He wouldn't fix it. Instead, he kind of gestured out. And it was a gesture saying to me, you have to look at these pieces. And I don't know if anybody has had that experience, but when you really want to look at yourself, it takes a lot of courage. And I had none at that time. I just had anger. So I fell into a very dark um, despair. Uh, I felt depressed, anxious. Um, you know, I, you know, I would turn to my friends and God bless them. God bless them all because there was nothing they could say that could give me consolation. You know, I grieved over this loss that I experienced uh, with my relationship with the Lord because there was nothing. I felt nothing. Everything was black inside, uh, you know, black with anger, resentment, bitterness, and even hate. You know, I believed he betrayed me and abandoned me. And therefore, there was no one on this planet that can convince me otherwise. And since God wasn't talking, then obviously I'm right. Right. So that's how it went for quite a long time. But he did give me moments of consolation. He did provide me with a few lifelines. And uh, this, is a, this is a lifeline that continues on to this day and is actually added on to. Um, I call it my Marian movement. <laughs> so during this time, he blessed me with three Marias, three. And these are women whose faith is so centered on Christ, who is just immovable, such a deep faith that, you know, I could turn to them and see them, observe them and say, that's, that's what I want to be. And I don't think they understand how important they were in my life. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little emotional. I'm praying to God, don't make me emotional. Um, <laughs> uh, but they were critical to my survival. So who are these three Marias? So first, Maria. My cousin, <laughs> I know she's laughing right now because she's on this call on this webinar. Uh, we started our faith journey together uh, when we joined a rosary group that was started by our friend Sandra. And I think she's here today too. So love you, Sandy. And uh, so we had that journey together. Then my friend Maria, who I met at A2 Women and who's a good friend of mine and now my wellness consultant. And then there was Mary, my counselor. And just recently, about a year and a half ago, uh, I got a new Maria and uh, I met her through uh, 40 Days for Life. And again, a woman of incredibly deep faith, uh, despite the fact, uh, despite the, the, the sufferings uh, that she's had, she's so, so faithful. And I admire these women. So Maria and Maria supported me mostly through prayer. Uh, but there were a few years what I, that I would constantly complain to them. I mean, uh, you know, they, if, if you could see their faces, they would be like, yeah, oh my goodness, you know, uh, but I realized that I had become that toxic friend, you know, you know, the one that really brings you down that has a bad attitude, and you know, who's so negative, you know, I had to limit my time that I shared with her, with them, and I also had to put some distance between us, because I didn't want to hurt them, I knew that I was in a very bad place, 
But Mary, my counselor, she was the one that guided me on the journey of looking at those fragmented pieces. And, you know, she provided me that safe place for me to, you know, vomit all that emotional stuff that's got to come out and then go deeper, deeper, deeper to find that hidden pain and sorrow that I was carrying inside that honestly, I never even knew I had. And I'll tell you this, it's a slow process. It took me five years to get to that place. And now I'm still dealing and pushing through that. So it's a, it's a very long process and we do need to be patient. So I'd age women, Maria, um, Maria, the wellness consultant, she, she suggested that I eliminate gluten and sugar from my diet. Um, and so <laughs> as an Italian, this is a tragedy. I mean, we're talking about no pasta, no paninis, mama's lasagna I can't eat, her pizza I can't have, and the worst was Nutella. I mean, how can an Italian not have Nutella? <laughs> it's crazy, right? So I did it. I For about a couple months, I didn't have anything. It was a hard detox, um, but then I introduced it, and I realized that those foods are like poison to my psyche. I mean, I would have episodes of bad moods, irritability, hopelessness, despair, depression, and it lasted for three months. And every time I was getting out of it, it was harder and harder and just exhausted my whole system. It explains a lot why I was depressed as a child because I used to eat Nutella with an espresso spoon just like that in front of the TV. So that's why I was really sad or that really added to my sadness. So in 2016, I moved to Hamilton and hoping for a new adventure that would kind of make things better and all this depression and anxiety can just kind of go away. And Hamilton provided me with that one-on-one -on -one time that I needed with Jesus, but honestly, nothing changed. Uh, what I realized was how fragmented I was. Um, I, I felt like my whole being was just separated. Like my mind was, un was uh, telling me unceasingly that I was nothing but a piece of trash, not good enough no one cared. And I was definitely not chosen by God, you know, and my heart shattered, shattered in pieces and hiding from the world because I couldn't trust anyone anymore. If you can't trust God with your heart, I mean, like, who else could I trust? Like no one. Uh, my willpower was reduced to like a pathetic glowing ember. So doing things that were healthy was just not possible, like going for walks or eating, not eating those food, foods, sorry, not eating those foods that fuel depression. And my body just kept gaining weight. But what helped me through that was my spirit because it often cried out to God. And I realized that it was my spirit that really helped me to continue to go to mass because I would have stopped going to mass. I would have stopped receiving the Eucharist. I would have stopped going to confession. I was just done with it. Like why have a relationship with someone you don't even trust? Like what's the point of that? But my spirit always called out, always called out and, and brought me to these places uh, to receive the sacraments. You know, I wanted to cut all my ties from God because he betrayed me and he abandoned me. So that's what I, I kind of realized. And I stumbled upon Psalm 73, uh, starting from verse 21 to 28. But right now, um, at this moment in time, I, you know, this verse really described who I was. Uh, verse 21 and 22 both described how, who I was. And the verse goes, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was stupid and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. And I'll tell you, I was a beast towards the Lord. Like I can't even... I'm not even going to share what I said. It was bad, but I was a beast. I was stupid and I was ignorant, but he still loved me. 
he still loved me. I'm still trying to let that sink in. So over the years, I had small moments of consolation. Uh, but to me, I've called them band-aids. I mean, it's great to have that moment of consolation. It's real. But it was just covering the gaping wound. It wasn't healing the wound. And I wanted to be healed. Done. Let's get this over with. I had no patience for this anymore. And so naturally, what happens, too, is that my mind ended up being uh, a little playground, uh, the devil's playground. And, and honestly, he, he really enjoyed himself. He convinced me to hate my life so much that I would beg the Lord to take it. Like, I wouldn't want to wake up the next morning. Uh, I started to think, uh, what would life be like without me in it anymore you know uh what would life be like for my family if i wasn't around what would life be like for my friends if i wasn't around like i'm sure they would feel sadness and mourning but i figure you know eventually you go back to normal and you know just like my grandparents who are both deceased i would become a memory right so i was building a case to the lord to say hey you can take my life like i'm insignificant i have nothing here you know there's there's nothing nobody needs me here you know so those thoughts uh, continuously bombarded me. So one night, um, it went a little too far, <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. Uh, one night, I Googled something that might shock a lot of you. Uh, I Googled how to commit suicide. And I had no intention of doing it. I was just really curious, you know, because I kept thinking, like, my life would be better without it. My life would be better without, without sorry, I, life would be better without me here, you know. Uh, so I Googled it, no intention of doing it. Uh, like, again, my soul was pretty uh, empowered in that point. Um, but the first article I found <laughs> was written by a Satanist, uh, which stated that committing suicide would give you new life. Hmm. That Satan wants to give you new life. So I, I'm sure that if we were all in a room together, I would probably hear a couple people say, oh my goodness, you know, like a gasping in shock because that's what I was. I was like, what? That's a bold-faced lie. Like, wow. And I knew at that point how blessed I was. Like I, I saw it and I knew that the Lord was right next to me and he allowed me to see that, not for myself, because he knew I would never do it. But to understand that those people who are struggling so much, who felt the same thing I did, but did not have that relationship with God, how easily it was for them to fall into that, into committing suicide. You know, it's, it's not a far distance, and I really understood it. The hopelessness is tangible. The spiritual oppression is real. The spiritual oppression is real. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, it will trick you to convince you that lies are truth and truth are lies. And to undo that is really hard because it felt counterintuitive because I believed it for so long, right? So how, how do you undo that? It has to be divine intervention. Um, so after that experience, you know, it's interesting, but I still didn't put two and two together that I was being spiritually attacked. So three years ago, um, I needed a change, and so I decided to take a chance on a job at the Archdiocese uh, because uh, I needed a new adventure, and I thought this new adventure would change. Uh, you know, Mary, my counselor, told me more than once that, you know, I said, you can run away to Italy, or you can run away, you know, anywhere in Europe, or you can run away somewhere in, you know, in the U.S. or whatever. It's always going to be with you because it's in you. So 
you know, running away didn't really help the problem. So the struggle continued. I continued to gain more weight, more weight, depression, anxiety, a spiritual deadness. Uh, and now there was a new narrative that was um, replaying in my brain. You're getting older, Enza. Your chances of getting married are a lot less. I mean, who's going to marry you now? Um, and, you know, uh, children and having children, uh, it's just like you're not going to be able to have children. You're too old for children. So it just kept playing in my head. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. So therefore, I can't be chosen. Like God said, I wasn't good enough to be loved or to bring new life in this world because I'm ruined. Like, how do you go, how do you fix all of this? And I'm, I'm in my forties now, right? So I was talking to my friend, Maria, the health, uh, uh, wellness, tech, uh, my goodness, the wellness consultant. And she suggested that maybe I had thyroid issues, uh, and endocrine, endocrine issues. So that made a lot of sense because the symptoms that I had sounded like it. And uh, my mother and my sisters had high thyroid issues as well. So I went to the doctor and I went to the endocrinologist, did some blood work. And, uh, you know, this is and, and what they told me was that there was nothing wrong with me that to eat less and exercise. And I was like, you have no idea what pain I'm going through and how meaningless your words are. And I just thought, you know. If it was that easy, no one would be overweight. Obviously, there's something else that's there, you know? And I was so disappointed because they didn't care. They didn't care about Enza. And I desperately needed someone to care for Enza because Enza didn't care about Enza. And God wasn't responding. So I just felt so defeated. So when I weighed myself, um, Last year, when I weighed myself, just before I, I started to change, um, I was at, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because women never release this information, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I was 243 pounds. I never thought that I could ever reach that weight. And, I, you know, this is what, this is what I would say to myself when I saw that ugly number on the scale. Well, Enza, that's what you get for eating like a pig. I mean, what do you expect? You're so pathetic. You have no willpower. Just look at yourself. You're disgusting. Kiss any chances of dating goodbye. Men look at you and see a disgusting pig. But go, go, go eat those bags of chips. Go, go. You know you can't say no. You're disgusting. I mean, this was the broken record that continuously played over and over in my head. And I believed it. I believed it. I, I it's, And, you know, I still struggle with those lies. Like, it doesn't all go away magically, you know, it, that's not how we work. But I was so exhausted of this fight uh, and I just wanted to stop. And I just, honestly, like I just, I gave in, I gave in to whatever temptations. In my counseling sessions with Mary, she helped me to see how much pressure I put on myself, um, you know, and how I, how I beat up myself, beat myself up all the time. Like, you just hear that, that broken record. I mean, that's just me going do, 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 do to myself. Like, that's not healthy. So she taught me how to work through these moments, you know, when you're feeling really despairing uh, or overwhelmed, you know, what to do. And uh, so I knew I had to change and I knew it was going to be hard. And I knew that if I could just be kind and patient and gentle with myself, that the change would happen. So I started to take a serious look at myself and I asked myself some questions. What do I want to achieve? You know, what worked in the past? 
um, what habits do I need to order? Sorry, what habits do I need in order to achieve this? And so what bad habits do I have that were blocking me? But what can I do right now, big or small? Because oftentimes those questions overwhelm you, like overwhelmed, overwhelms me and it can overwhelm a lot of people. Like it's so much to start all at once. So when I felt overwhelmed, I would talk myself down the ledge saying things like, we're just gonna go slowly. You don't have to do it. Do just what you can. If you can only do that. Like I spoke, I pretty much spoke like my counselor spoke to me. <laughs> so I was kind of imitating her and I put my Mary hat on and, and started to, to speak like that to myself. And the fact that I could do that is a confirmation that the Lord actually, he answered my prayer because for me to speak like that to myself, it, it felt impossible but nothing is impossible to God, right? So after a couple of months, I started to develop better habits. Uh, I was ready. I was ready to kick it up a notch. So I called my friend Maria and I said, okay, I'm ready to start keto now. And she said, yay. <laughs> and so something changed inside me. I had this, I had this motivation. Uh, you know, I can only say that it's coming from the Lord because it's not mine. We know where my motivation went, like how it looked like. Uh, and so I knew that he was answering my prayers. So after about three months, um, I started to have some clarity. I started to feel hopeful again. Just the thing about hope. Uh, I always felt hope betrayed me over and over again. So I hated hoping because every time I would hope, I would fall. You know, when your, your, hope, your, you, you, your hopes are raised up for something and then it just crashes. That's what it was like for me. So for me to have any ounce of hope was a miracle. And even to have that ambition, that will, that drive to do something is miraculous as well. So the Lord, this is what he did. He, he took keto, which <laughs> totally amazed me. He took keto and he used it to break those barriers that I had inside to reveal the reasons why I was eating so much, you know, like finally I had that courage to look at those fragmented pieces and to go through the process of healing, which is an ongoing process, which is an up and down ebb and flow all over direction. Thank God I still have my Marian movement, um, you know, but it's there and we're moving forward. He used intermittent fasting to change my willpower from that small, small, pathetic glowing ember to a full flame. I mean, it's not a gigantic flame, but it's a flame. So I'm going to take it, right? Because I know he's just going to make it larger. And you know, one thing is, is that for years I had lost the will to fast. You know, every time I would try, I would just fail and then beat myself up over again. You're such a failure, Enza, you know? But this time, with Jesus holding my hand, I went from fasting from 17 hours a day to adding an additional 65 hours consecutively every week. Now, I know that sounds very shocking. Is that crazy? So every night I fast from 7 p.m. to 12, 12.30 the next day. So I don't have any breakfast and I drink a lot of water. Water is very, very important. And then on Monday night at 7 p.m. all the way to Thursday at 1230. So today um, I would fast for those 65 hours. And I know a lot of you out there are like, oh, my gosh, girl, that's crazy. That's my cousin. Actually, my cousin Maria said that to me <laughs> just recently. She's on this call. Uh, I got I love you so much. Um, but some people are like, no, I can't do that. That's crazy. That's nuts. Now, I didn't do 65 hours like that. It's a process, you know, over time. But I tell you, uh, that fasting period 
it, it really, really helped me to see, wow, I'm so addicted to this. Why am I addicted to this? And it really opened up that door where it's your, your mental, emotional, and spiritual really connecting to say, here, here it's, here's what's going on, you know? So Psalm 73, as I mentioned, those first two verses, at first I was, you know, embittered, my heart was pricked, I was ignorant, uh, and I was a beast. But the next two verses goes like this. So this is the 20, 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I'm continuously with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. So he was holding my hand the entire way. And for people, for, for you out there who feel like you can't do intermittent fasting, uh, the advice I'm going to give you is, you know that nothing is impossible to God. And if you know that, why do you box yourself up? I had to ask that question to myself. Why do I say I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this and such limitations. So take a look at those blocks, start flopping them down, you know, just knock them out and allow the Lord to do the impossible. Because the fact that I'm here talking in all of this is a really impossible thing. Um, I can't believe I'm still doing it. So thank you, Lord. Um, but, but he's holding your hand. He's guiding you, you know. So I was shedding the weight and uh, I was sharing with my family and friends. And uh, I would get some comments sometimes like, uh, but do you get a cheat day? When's your cheat day? You know, you want to you wanna do something? Hey, I'm going to make this. Why don't you just consider it as your cheat day? So this is something that I have to share with everybody uh, because one, I know that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but also how we perceive our weight loss is so important to our success. It's, it really is. So Maria, my wellness consultant, my good friend, she says this about cheat days. Having a cheat day sends a feedback message to you that you are a person who cheats, a cheater. It's a negative description of yourself. Calling your indulgent days a carb load day or a feast day indicates that you're someone who carb loads or feasts. Don't allow negative or belittling connotations run roughshod over your already struggling self-esteem. When I heard that, it just like the light bulb explosions happened in my mind. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm belittling myself. I'm speaking so negatively. Like I knew that I was speaking negatively, but sometimes you just need some sort of special wake up call. So I started to recalibrate the way I thought. So, you know, um, I started keto in January in May. I had a carb load day. I had my feast day on for my birthday. You know, I picked out on sushi and I picked out on poutine. I know it's a weird combination, <laughs> but whatever. I had cravings um, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, I did not feel bad because I cheated, you know, so get that language out of your head, you know, and, and make it something say, you know, I'm going to have a luxurious meal day. I love that, that word, luxurious meal. So during this time, like the Lord has really helped me to understand like how our physiology, our mental health, our emotional health, spiritual health, how they're all integrated and how they affect each other. You know, doing keto and intermittent fasting really exposed the harmony or rather the disharmony that was occurring in my body. So, you know, I was eating those foods that caused the thyroid issues to inflame and leaky gut, which fueled depression and anxiety. You know, this is something I still kind of grieve over is depression robbed me of so much, robbed me of a deeper relationship with my family, with my friends, with men, and my ability to fulfill God's mission in my life, you know, and to serve people. It really robbed me of that. 
And I used to describe it as my depression. You know, you know, my depression is like this and, and so on. And when I started to gain that clarity, uh, I realized that I was identifying with depression. And I said, hold up the truck. I am not going to identify myself with something so crappy as that. No. So I stopped saying my depression uh, and because it doesn't belong to me. You know, God didn't make me with depression. That's ridiculous. You know, it doesn't belong to me. But who it does belong to is Satan. Honest to God, depression is a tool that he uses to ruin all of God's creation. That's how he attacks us through our thoughts and our feelings unceasingly until we fall into sin. It is so important for us to understand that because it's not just about eating healthy. It's not about just addressing emotional. You have to address everything all together, kind of all at once, but at your own pace. You know, don't overwhelm your system. Don't overwhelm yourself. Father Chad Ripperger is a exorcist from the U.S. And he has a series of videos on YouTube explaining spiritual warfare. His, he explains how the demonic spirits use your thoughts to bombard you and tempts you away from God. And like poof, the light bulb went off. Uh, you know, it was hard for me to understand why I was so depressed. Um, but this made sense. Like I realized that I allowed these evil spirits to take over my mind and, and just, you know, assault me with those, those thoughts for years and that they wanted to drag me down to ruin. It was Satan who wants to ruin me not God. And I've been rejecting God for years, like for years. So the question comes up for me is, you know, what do we think of? What do we think of what it means to be healthy? Like, do we include having uh, an intentional relationship with the Holy Trinity as part of that definition? I mean, if anything I've learned with everything that I've experienced in my entire life, but most especially in the past, like eight years of this really uh, focused depression is that healthy to me means that God is first. That's it. We cannot do anything without him. And so we have to stop avoiding him. Stop avoiding those moments where he wants you to look at something painful because he's trying to bring on healing. You know, believe me, I tried you. I mean, I tried, I did a lot of things to avoid him. Uh, I, I was a beast to him, a beast, but he kept holding my hand, right? And uh, to go back to Psalm 73, the last verses, 25 to 28, now is really describes who, where I am in life right now. And so it goes like this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing upon earth that I desire, desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Behold, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to those who are false to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. And here I am sharing his works, you know. This passage from 21, verse 21 to 28, just really, really, I resonated with, with it so much. And if you can read the, the, that passage and see yourself in it, all the other parts of your life, the mental, emotional, physical, your relationships, all of that stuff will fall into place. I truly believe it. He, because he will make them fall into place because he's God after all, right? And he made you to be a walking and living Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart 
you were chosen. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You have purpose in life. You know, I'm not going to lie and say that it was uh, all the time easy. Uh, I never sugarcoat things uh, ever. Ask my cousin, ask my friends. I don't believe that sugarcoating things is truthful. That's just the way I am. So a lot of people have to suffer through my long, uh, my long talks. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, it's only as easy as you perceive it to be. It's only as easy as you perceive it to be. So if you perceive it to be hard and this you know, mountain that you have to climb, very steep mountain, that's the way it's gonna feel. If you perceive it as the Lord is guiding you to a new change, a new life, uh, then you'll feel that consolation. You'll, you'll feel that security. It won't feel so, so heavy upon you. It'll still feel heavy because you still gotta go through, but not to the point where you know, you're gonna hurt yourself. So you have a choice. You can be stubborn like me and make it 10 times harder than it had to be uh, or has to be. Uh, or you can keep your eyes on him. When you surround yourself with the right people and the right tools, your success will come 100%. If I didn't have my Marian movement, I have no idea. I don't know what I would have done. Uh, I think I would have been dead, to be very honest. Without them, their prayers, um, their, their conversations, uh, you know, their ability to say, no, Enza, I'm not going to sit here and accept your toxic attitude. That hurt so much, but was so helpful. You know, uh, if I didn't have those people, if I didn't have, uh, you know, the techniques that I learned through Maria to do keto and all of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, I, would, I wouldn't know where I would be today. So I continue to struggle though. So it's not over. It's not like the victory is won. When I die is when the victory is won. Um, and sometimes a little, I am a little excited to die just because, you know, I want to see what's on that side. I, I really want to have that face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus, you know, a cup of tea or something, but, uh, it's not like before, you know, now it's like, I'm excited to meet you or to see you and to see all the saints and my deceased relatives again, uh, provided I go to heaven. So it's hope I can do my purgatory here. Um, but I continue to struggle. Um, but at the same time, there's so many good, healthy changes that I make you know, that I made, the way I eat, the way I think, the way I pray. You know, I started keto uh, and intermittent fasting on January 2nd. Um, and I was at 243 pounds, completely depressed, anxious, hopeless, hating my life, hating myself, resenting the Lord and suffering from the thyroid and gut issues. And now by gigantic miracle, I've lost 80 pounds. I can't even, I can't even believe it. Um, I feel lighter. I have more joy, more hope. Remember hope was my enemy. She's not my enemy anymore. Um, peace, clarity, energy, enthusiasm. I'm excited for my future, whatever it holds. You know, I can go to mama and papa's house and have dinner with my family and watch them eat my mom's lasagna. I mean, if that's not an achievement, I don't even know what is. And, you know, nobody really knows here except for my cousin, Maria, uh, how amazing my mom's white pizza. It's just so uh, good. But I sit there and smell it as they eat it in front of me. You know, and I went on vacation with my family at a cottage and I didn't have any of the ice cream that they bought. I feel empowered and stronger. I don't have to. Uh, surrender to those cravings. Those cravings never got me anywhere. So, you know, 44 years, I'm 44 years old, 44 years I spent, you know, indulging and loving those beautiful, like, all the, that bad food, Nutella. Oh, I broke up with Nutella a long time ago, but you know, 
I enjoyed it. That's good. That's 44 years. I think that's good. So now it's a time for something different. And that's what helped me too, is to say, it did it end. Let's try something new. And new is bringing me a whole different mentality where I feel stronger. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, I never would have believed it. I never would have believed that the Lord would hear and answer my prayer. I never would have believed that I could become a new creature in Christ. The old is slowly passing away and the new has come and continues to come because I know there's more down the, down the pipe. Like I know there's more. And I, I wanted to share all of this because if there's anyone out there who is seriously stuck in the sludge, uh, you're not alone. At least you have me to remember you and to pray for you, but know that God is going to do it for you too. You know, the tools are all out there. Uh, they're all out there waiting for you. Uh, God has lined up the people that you need in order to succeed. Uh, he's, he's a gentleman, so he's not going to push you, you know, so he's going to wait for you when you're ready. And then you'll be able to have that that true joy again, and to love your body, love yourself, love your vocation, and it spills over onto your family. It just spills over. And women, we really need to be kinder to ourselves, to each other, because, you know, I've been at the brunt of, and I've been a culprit of speaking negatively about people. And we need to stop doing that um, as much as we can, as best as we can. It's a process. We forgive each other. But when you surround yourself with, with people who uh, are genuinely trying to live a good Catholic life, you know, solid and, and grounded in the Lord, you know, your success is there. It, it's just waiting for you to grab. So that's everything. And I think there's like some chat stuff going on. Um, so I'll look at that now. <laughs> but if anybody has questions, um, or maybe we can pick some questions and I can answer some for, for yeah. people. I guess um, we will go to the chat, but I, I guess, you know, that kind of, you know, I don't, I know that, I, you know, I myself have struggled with my weight. I know a lot of women have struggled with their weight. I know that, you know, sometimes we lose 50, gain 50, lose 75, gain, you know, and it's just, you know, such a, such a battle. Um, what was that kind of epiphany moment for you that you kind of said to yourself, okay, in, you know, January of last year, like what gave you hope and mental leverage to pursue the battle again? Cause I, I know, you know, so, so many times, you know, you go through a period of struggling of trying and then you throw in the towel and then you go like, okay. And then I, so you describe maybe what brought you to the point where you thought, no, I'm going to go at this again. Um, what was that moment? What did it look like? How did you get the resolve? Yeah, so I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the video I watched. It was a Catholic video. And uh, it's killing me that I can't remember because I knew before. Now it's just me. Um, so I watched this Catholic video and it was about um, how to pray to God, you know, uh, and if you remember, like, 
I wasn't really praying regularly. I didn't want to talk to him. Why am I going to talk to someone who betrayed me? Like it's, it was really hard, um, you know, because I saw him as a real person as much as I couldn't see him. Uh, he was real, very real for me. So um, I watched this video about how to pray to God and that, you know, when we ask God for something, um, you know, when we make our petitions, we should in the very same breath, thank him for answering it. Um, and I'm sure I heard that like a gazillion times. But when I was watching this, I went, hmm, I don't think I've ever done that. And, you know, why would I? I don't even believe that he's going to do it. Right. So I said, OK, you know what? Just do it. And it took me a few minutes to say, just do it, just do it, just do it. So I did it. And I just prayed, Lord Jesus, you know, help me. I have no willpower. You know, I need to lose weight. I'm not healthy. I am so full of depression, so full of anxiety. I know this is not what you want for me. There's something wrong and I can't figure out what it is, but I need your willpower to help me lose weight because I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I have none. I need your willpower. And then I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me your willpower. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with my weight loss. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a reprieve. Thank you, Lord, for opening up my mind. Thank you for giving me your willpower because, you know, I know you're going to help me. So thank you, Lord, for doing it. And that was it. And I don't know how that happens. You know, some people do it and nothing happens. Some people do it and something happens. I have no idea how God works. That's why I want to die sometimes because like, Lord, can you explain this stuff to me? <laughs> how come when I pray it, you don't hear me, but when she prays it, she gets it, you know? Um, so I think it was, it was a prayer that really came from my heart. And I think that's when he really listens to us. When it's something, when you fall on your knees, raise your hands up and say, Lord, Lord, my soul, you know, I cry out to you, uh, help me, Lord. I think, I think that's what it was. And so something changed. And that happened actually in late 2019, because in November and December, what I did was, is uh, I did that assessment of like, what are my habits? And then uh, I realized there are certain things that I needed to have before I started keto. Um, you know, I wanted to, to, I wanted my friend Maria to help me, but I didn't want to waste her time because I had done that before, you know, so asking him and being specific and then thanking him, uh, you know, I'm a little spoiled because I only do it once because I'm still a baby. Whereas a lot of you are probably so spiritually mature that he may want you to keep going. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I'm the youngest. I get spoiled, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> but that, that for me was we're the turning point. I just had this, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. Like I can do it. And I was talking to myself the way my counselor was talking to me. I just, a couple things clicked in. Uh, so that's, that's how the change started for me. That's, uh, that's beautiful. Now there is a, a question here. Um, did you take medication that was suggested professionally for your thyroid issue? How off was your T3 and T4 levels? Someone's asking. Yeah, so um, when I had done the blood work, the T3, T4, I think were not that off. But uh, so I didn't, my doctor basically said, you don't need anything, just lose weight. That's it. You know, uh, join Weight Watchers. She, she loves Weight Watchers. And I was, I, I did join Weight Watchers way back when, um, but it still wasn't enough. Um, and so, uh, that's as far as the testing, because they basically said, we don't have anything to do with you. Like I went to an endocrinologist as well. And she's like, no, just exercise and lose weight again and eat less, which is, wasn't helpful at all. So I know that I had thyroid issues, but they fluctuated. And the more I gained weight, the worse it was, because when I was at my heaviest, I started to fall asleep 
after I ate a meal and it wasn't even a carb, like sometimes it wasn't even a carby meal. I would just pass out for like an hour or two. So I never had to take medication. And even for the depression, um, you know, a lot of people suggested me, I did talk to a doctor, I did talk to another doctor, but it just got right for me. So I said, no, we're going to do this a different way. Uh, because I just had a feeling it was, my depression was related to more emotional stuff. Um, and my diet was really bad. That was, you know, um, aggravating it. So I really wanted to try and overcome it without medication. And this is where I'm at now. So, so far I don't have to use, take any medication. Okay. The, the other, a bit of a, a shout out to all the, all women that are here, um, like back in the, I think it was 1980. That's how old I am. Oh my gosh. Ah! But back in the, uh, early 80s, I had hit a very, very um, severe rock bottom depression myself. And, you know, my dad had died while he was in Poland on holidays. And I was applying for, um, I, I wanted to be a, a, a representative for Kraft Foods of all things, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, Kraft, the, the company had sent me for a physical because I had gone through X number of interviews and they had sent me for a physical um, just prior to offering me the job, which was going to mean a company car, which was going to mean travel and, and all those exciting things. And I didn't pass the physical. They said, you know, you really need to go to your family doctor. It looks like you might have cancer of the thyroid. And I had been seeing a doctor regularly, but my T3 and T4 thyroid had never uh, been tested. And as soon as I started taking, um, you know, thyroxin, uh, the, the depression literally a month later evaporated. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women that have um, a, a medical depression based on uh, a, a thyroid issue that isn't diagnosed is really, really prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, I would beg each and every one of you that if you haven't had your thyroid um, tested, and when you're having the thyroid tested, make sure that the T is in Tom three and T is in Tom four, T three and T four levels are, are tested because so many women are suffering unnecessarily. And, you know, I did end up learning that, oh, my mom had thyroid issues. My sister had thyroid issues. My grandmother had thyroid issues. And so starting that thyroid medication was a, a life changer for me. Now, I still struggle with my weight. It didn't solve that. But um, have you please have your thyroid uh, tested. Yes. Uh, you know, so yeah, I can see that too, like push your doctors, because like I said, you know, the, when I got, so just keep pushing them and get your thyroids tested and see what's, what'll be helpful. Um, I know that there are uh, benefits for those who have thyroid issues. A keto is beneficial. So look into that. I mean, everything is at your disposal, you know? So uh, if you know of a person who's uh, a nutritionist or naturopath or whatnot, and you want to, you know, learn more about keto, then go and do that. I mean, you should be informing yourself and educating yourself because you want to get to that place where you're, you're not so depressed and miserable, right? 
Yeah, and Dora has a comment here. I too come from an Italian family and can relate to the many aspects that you have mentioned. Italian immigrants um, have a certain way of raising their children. Discipline often meant a lot of negativity, a lot of fear. Negative words spoken over children can be very powerful. You spoke a great deal about that negative voice. Uh, can you elaborate or do you have an explanation? Or like, I, I wanna be careful here because uh, you know, I think there's many different types of parenting and I think that Enza's parents and my parents as Polish parents, immigrant parents, yes, it was a different style of parenting and maybe they were negative sometimes, but now I think our parenting affirms kids so much that they don't even know what sin is, right? So if, I like I'm always uncomfortable with conversation that might us might say that expects us to say something negative about our parents right because i always yeah. believe our parents did the best that they could um but i, I don't mean to stop you from commenting that's on okay that. that's okay yeah. um yeah. my parents you know uh they were born and raised in italy and they were born post-world war ii they had no food they starved they starved and they worked hard and they grew up in a different place uh, there was no emotional, there was no affection. There was too many of them for any of them to be affectionate with each other. Like there's, you know, everybody was starving for food. I, uh, you know, the famous story of my dad saying on sometimes we, on Sundays, sometimes we had like that much cheese, you know? So um, yes, there, they, they did have, a, there were negative impacts, but there's no way that I can blame my parents for that. I mean, when I was younger, I did, but I grew out of that because I started to understand like, my dad didn't have a mom. She died in World War II with typhoid, you know, so he was only six when she died. So, you know, he didn't understand that mothering kind of thing. And my mom, you know, she came, she was very militant, my mom. I don't know. She was the most militant one out of the group, but I love them. And, and despite that, it's like, you know, I see their lives and I say, wow, they really suffered, uh, suffered a lot, something that I would never have experienced. And I have to say, there's something about their suffering that my mother and father have never experienced depression. Never. I mean, granted, my mom is a bit negative. There is fear. Uh, uh, but, you know, she's starved. So it's okay. She came to this country with $2 in her pocket you know, and made a life for herself. It's okay. I'm not going to hold her against that. Um, but I do have to deal with the impact of that, right? So I do, and I do it with my counselor and I have to acknowledge them and I have to understand it and I have to sit through the feeling and then I have to forgive uh, or get that to that place where I'm like, I'm okay now. I'm, you know, that's not bothering me anymore. Next, you know, uh, so that does exist. And um, you know, by acknowledging it, it's no, by no means putting a damper on my parents. They're the best parents that anybody could have in the whole world. Um, you know, uh, I learned a lot from them and their relationship, uh, but they had a different life. So it's, it's okay. One thing I keep on my fridge, um, and I found this when we, like my mom passed away, I guess four or five years ago now, and this is something that she kept. And you, you, you I know that you can't, um, you can't understand it. I'll read it to you, but it's a note written in 1944, and that wow. note was written by her brother. Um, you know, my mom survived World War II. Uh, her house was bombed. She was pulled out of the rubble as a 13-year-old girl. And this note, it says, 
Kohana Mamushu, my dear mom, maybe mommy could give me just a little piece of bread, right? And what, what struck me about this note is that, and, and it was funny, like sometimes I would be, you know, complaining to my mother about this and about that. And, you know, like when you described yourself, Enza, uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, we could be sisters. Like I was the rebel. I was the one that was challenging <laughs> my mother. I was the one that was the adventurous one. I was the one that questioned every teaching of the Catholic church. Like I was the one, I was the thorn, right? And so whenever I was complaining to my mom, she would say, oh, Kohara Mamushu, that I had all of these expectations and all of these demands and I wanted, and yet here her, her little brother was asking just for a little piece of bread during the mm -hmm. war, right? And, and so I, I don't even know how that fits in or why I brought it up, but it kind of reminds me that sometimes I'm much too demanding, you know, like I remember once I was, you know, complaining to my daughter about this and about that and about this. And, and then, you know, she's like, mom, like mom, 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 you know, you've been a motivational speaker, you've delivered seminars internationally, you've got a house, you've got a husband, you've got two kids, you've been to Hawaii, like, come on, like, enough is enough, Dorothy, like, this is my daughter saying it to me. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes too, and it, you know, I always say that if I ever, well, I will die, but that, that when I do die, that if there's any power I have in heaven at all, if I get to heaven, is that I would love to be the patron saint of um, moms to encourage them and of women that struggle with food, right? Because it's so painful and it's yeah. so lonely and it's so, you know, like I'm sure that a lot of you have probably looked in the mirror when you're trying something on for your daughter's wedding and going, oh my God. <laughs> Why can't I, you know? Or your niece's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. niece's wedding, I was, I was devastated when my niece got married, not for her, but for me. It's like, my niece is getting married before me, you know, and she's on baby number two. So before me, you know, so it, that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and you're right. Like we tend to complain. I'm the biggest complainer, but I'm learning not to complain. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm really learning to just accept what God gives me and to grow uh, and food, food can be, it's an addiction. I, I, in keto, I realized I was so addicted to food, really addicted to food. Uh, and it was during those fasting periods that I was, I discovered that, you know, uh, I think somebody in the, in the chat mentioned like, so do I drink water for three days? Yeah. I drink lots of water. Like this is my bottle, which is like 30 ounces, I think. And I drink like about, I don't even know. I stopped counting, but I just keep filling it up and I drink and drink and drink. And I drink tea, herbal tea coffee with no sugar of course and no cream which is hard because I love coffee with cream <laughs> you know what? It's totally worth it it's totally worth it so um, I'm gonna ask all of you to pray for uh Enza those of you that have joined us today um and you know as women I really think we need to be praying for women that are struggling you know, with these issues and to love them and to encourage them, um, you know, and heck, who knows, Enza, you know, I, I'm really hoping, like the one thing that you mentioned that hit me like a ton of bricks 
is that you had your three Marys, right? You had yeah. the four it, now, four now, <laughs> four now. You've got your counselor, you've got your nutritionist, you've got your two your warriors, and and I'm really hoping, in a sense, that in mothers' groups, that that's what we do, right? That we're supporting one another, and 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 so I, I'm hoping that at one point in time, I don't know that that maybe you could, you know, start a support group or or find us a group of Marys that we can all meet together and get them. Introduce you to my Marys. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like you ask for it and he'll bring it. You ask for it with your heart. Uh, I didn't ask for my Marian. Um, so like, again, like it's for you about my cousin and I, our trip to the Madonna house for the first time, how we got terribly spoiled. Uh, you know, he does spoil me. So pray for, pray for people to come into your life and, and to, to really support you because, you know, those people that, you know, I love my family, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I know now the triggers that happens um, that sends me back to that place again, like, oh, I didn't have a piece of mommy's pizza, it smells so dang good, you know, um, and I, I see that now. So when you surround yourself by people who are positive speaking, um, who are really rooted in Christ um, and who can listen, uh, if, if there's anything I can offer for those who have friends who are suffering, you know, God bless my cousin, honestly, and, and my friend Maria, like nothing they could say could console me. But I'll tell you from my perspective, all I wanted was someone to hear uh, because just listening to me made me feel like I was loved. I didn't necessarily need a solution. Uh, because there was none. He, he had it all the whole time. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing that they could do and just really listen and just be loving and, you know, relate to them. I mean, you don't have the answers. You're not God. So, you know, know your place and just be there. And in your mother's group, especially like allow yourselves time to that discussion. Uh, and then if you need that more one-on-one -on -one time, then get together and like hash it out. You need to feel those feelings and then pray over yourselves. Uh, end it always with prayer. That's something that I didn't do, um, but end it with prayer because you give it up to Mama Mary and she'll undo those knots, right? Like Mary undo her knots, give it to her, man. She knows what she's doing. And, and if you still have anxiety after you give it to her, I used to say to people, if you have anxiety after you give it to her, then you're not trusting her. So you really got to give it to her and then forget. And, and weirdly enough, I was able to do that. Um, now, and so were there, are there any uh, books that you can, and maybe you can't do it right now, but maybe like uh, if there's any books that um, perhaps helped you, um, because, you know, we all have to begin at the beginning of our own journey. And I keep on telling myself, okay, you know, so long as I die trying, then, you know, because of course, as Catholics too, we have to recognize, um, you know, I have come kind of, you know, sometimes you got to stare down that it's gluttony and sometimes is it a sin and does it need to be confessed and taking some of the indulgences to confession um, could help. Then the other thing too that I know can influence any other woman are, like are the, the people that you surround yourself with. So if let's say you belong to a family and everybody in that family is overeating, then, you know, that becomes that much more of a challenge, right? Because, okay, if you've got a family where everybody's running, jogging, swimming, they're eating very little, and they're all doing keto, then that has an effect on you. So 
I guess there's, you know, the aspect of, you know, whether you should confess it, there's the aspect of looking at the different influences that you have. The other thing that you mentioned that really struck me are the thoughts that you feed that keep you trapped, right? Sort of like, why do you keep on telling yourself, oh, I can't do that. There's no hope. There's no point. Um, you know, and then sometimes I've had a crazy thing where I tell myself, well, you know, God's keeping you heavy to keep you humble because <laughs> Lord help you, you know. Uh, so, but then I'm like, okay, Polarski, that's just kind of justifying it. So um, anyway, any other, th the, the, the surrender novena has helped me. So someone's passing on the surrender novena. Um, and then someone, Kathy Sarzani says, I have a newly published book written by a family member for moms to be that I would like you to deliver to you and add to your collection and consider passing on. Um, sure, you know, we, we love uh, receiving books. Um, if you have any resources or any things, you know, that have helped you, please, you know, send them along to us. I've asked uh, Enza if she can maybe to put together some resources and, you know, maybe in the, maybe we should have another session about this. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud, but anyway, Enzo, so you talked about keto, you talked about intermittent fasting, you talked about um, drinking a lot of water, you talked about your, um, your Marian movement, which I loved. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And congratulations uh, um, I'm going to be praying uh, for you because uh, I, I know it's hard, right? Like I know it's hard. Maintenance is hard too. I, I, I always laugh. I used to teach Weight Watchers. I know this stuff. I used to teach. Yeah. It, right? I, I've never gone to maintenance, so I have no idea what that's going to look like, but I'm, I'm, I'm awake enough to be open for the challenge, you know? And uh, one thing I would want to add is that for, for everybody who is struggling and you're having a hard time, the way I did it was I just wrote down everything uh, in and was really realistic, very real with myself and honest to say, these are the good things I know I can do. These are the things that I can't do. What are the goals that I can achieve? And just do it little bit by little bit. Like you can't do it the way I did it because you're not me, but you know yourself. You know what, what's hard and what's not hard. You know what's the first thing that, that needs to be um, taken care of in order to build up. So just layer up, layer, layer, and eventually you're going to get to that place where you're going to have more control uh, over what you're eating and your emotion, like your reaction. So, I mean, I used to go and get a box of Heavenly Hash ice cream. I used to eat that all, almost had like one setting when I was super depressed you know how bad that is that's poison for me so good so bad nobody buy that um <laughs> but you you write down all the things and whatever you know of your the blocks write them down be really honest create a health plan and that's what I did I created a health plan me the one who never has goals never listed a goal in my life created a health plan and a goal. And I did it in stages, phase one, phase two, phase three. And it wasn't timed by months. It was based on whether I felt I achieved it. So one was writing in a food journal every day. And um, I needed to say, okay, I can, in order to move on to phase two, I have to accomplish these three things. And one of those things was the food journal. And until I get those things done, I can't go to phase two. And I would address them in my own time because I've just always pushed myself too hard. So just don't push yourself. You have lots of time. You have lots of time. And so don't pressure yourself and just be really honest. That's what I would say. And then 
If you can hook yourself up with a nutritionist or naturopath who, if you're interested in keto, that can guide you, you do need that guidance from that person. Um, there are resources, I'll try to find some for you uh, from my friend Maria, if she has any websites. Um, and if you're struggling with emotional like trauma or whatever, uh, it took me, I don't know how many years to say yes to a counselor. And after going, I realized, wow, I should have done this a long time ago. So go find a beautiful counselor. You know, I don't know if my counselor is open. She's the best strong Catholic woman. Um, you know, I can ask her if she's taking on new people. And, uh, you know, she just gave me that safe place to be me. And I really needed that, like that, that attention and love, you know, the Lord really, really loved on me through her. Um, and it's so important to get that garbage out of your system. Like there's still more garbage in me. It's going to go like in Jesus name, it's going to go I, from hell or high water. I will not die with this crap in my body anymore. <laughs> in my, my psyche anymore. It's, no, it's done. Like it's done. I just, it'll, it'll get done. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that too, as and I know this is a sensitive area, so I don't want to, but like, I, I think too, as, as mothers, right. Um, that if, if we don't face some of the stuff within ourselves, then um, it becomes really difficult, you know, being a mother, because it's almost as if you got all this junk in your brain, right. And how can you dispense love when you, it's almost like you don't love yourself. And I know yeah. that one commitment I made to myself, because I, you know, like I say, I used to teach Weight Watchers. I know, I know all the tricks of the trade. There's 172 programs that I have tried and I still struggle, but I made a, a couple of promises to myself and I'm going to ask you to make those same promises to yourself today. Um, number one, if there's anything that you're avoiding doing, just because you're over, overweight, you've got to say to yourself, no, you know, like a heavy person, Dorothy's a heavy person, you are still useful, productive, you can write a book, you can give a talk, you are not, not a good person, just because you're overweight, right? So if you've been saying, oh, I can't go on this trip, or I can't write that book, or I can't change that job, because first, I have to lose my weight, I say, no, 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 give yourself permission to live, even though you're heavy. Because <laughs> for many years, I wouldn't do anything because I'm like, well, I can't do that. I'm heavy. I can't do this because I'm heavy. Like, and I think of all of the things I wouldn't have done, right? So don't wait until you're the perfect weight to do certain things. Because, um, And the other thing is, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas like he was huge, right? He was big. Mother Angelica, she was big. So we can still be fruitful and productive um, human beings, even though we're big. And the other thing I had to drill into myself is that just because Dorothy is heavy doesn't mean she that she that she's not lovable, right? Like God loves you exactly the way that you are. And yes. I'm frustrated. I, I struggle with, you know, self-hatred sometimes because of this weight. I'm kind of like, I wish I could look like this mother's group or that mother's group. She skis, she does this, she looks like a feather and here I am, you know? And, and so it is still an area of pain for me, but I promise myself 
I promised myself, I'm not going to tell myself I can't do this and that just because of the weight. And I also would like to remind you that you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And you are loved. Um, and never give up on yourself, right? Like this, I really like what uh, Enza's saying that, you know, take it in phases, take it bit by bit, ask yourself what you can do, ask yourself what you can't do. And, you know, maybe this advent, you know, try to get the courage to, to go at it again, right? To, to, to try again. And um, many of the books that I've read often say that, you know, people that have tried to lose weight a hundred times and haven't succeeded, that they also have that cross of past failures that tries to convict them and humiliate them. And so um, if you could pray a decade of the rosary, even every day for women that are struggling with addictions, right? Uh, I often try to do that, like to pray for women that are struggling with uh, addictions, with pray for women that are struggling with food issues. Anyway, I could go on and on and talk about this forever. Sorry, I gotta <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we could be sisters because I'm like you, I can go on and on and on as well. And it's like taking everything inside of me not to talk. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, anyway, so. Uh, thank you very much, um, Enza, for joining us today. I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for joining us today. Um, love you to pieces, all of you. And I'm going to encourage you. I have a special announcement, by the way, uh, for our Advent retreat. It's not this Saturday, but next Saturday. We're, um, we have Mary Wagner uh, joining us to pray the rosary. Ooh with us okay powerhouse. she is a powerhouse and um so the the advent retreat we're going to be talking about a number of different topics how is advent different this year because i do think there's a lot of division right now amongst catholics you know the vaccinated the unvaccinated staying at home fired losing jobs gaining jobs so how is Advent different this year? Uh, I'm really eager to hear what Mary Wagner uh, says about that because she is speaking uh, as a part of it. Um, I'm gonna be doing a short reflection, then uh, Dr. Lombardi is gonna be doing a reflection on uh, persevering in hope. So really the first um, you know, two or three reflections, it could be for any women, not just Catholic moms. Uh, one of them, the, the one after Dr. Lombardi, she's gonna uh, be talking about this. And I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful talk that as mothers, right? Like, okay, there's this crazy chaos in the world. And as mothers, what can we do to, to create light and love and peace and almost like a domestic sanctuary that acts against almost as a buffer against all of the confusion that exists right now and that as mothers we really need to claim that authority as you know as spiritual leaders that we, we're, we're going to create a buffer and um, create an environment that makes um, Advent powerful for our families. So anyway, so please consider registering for our uh, Advent retreat, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Um, Enza, thank you for your time. Thank you for your courage. 
Thank you for your openness and, and, and vulnerability. I'm, I'm really hoping we can have you back. Just, <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts? Do you have any closing um, thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know what else I could say. I feel like I spilled my guts out, uh, but uh, we'll see where the Lord leads. I mean, uh, I go where he follows. Um, uh, just closing thoughts is uh, don't beat yourself up. I hated it when people said that to me, you know, and so I, I totally relate to those people who are like, oh, stop talking to me like that. I can't understand it. But try to see in a different perspective the things that are really blocking you from being you and knowing that, you know, the Lord made you. He, he knew you before you were even created in the womb. Like, that's just, you know, he knew what you were appointed for. He, he set you aside. He chose you. So reflecting on that use scripture use all the aspects go talk to a nutritionist go read some stuff on keto or under other ways to lose weight uh go talk like create a little group of friends that you can be accountable and create that safe space with each other go see a counselor do everything i had a whole team like a team enza so <laughs> my team was huge and i sucked anybody i could suck in you know um and because I, I, I felt like I was drowning and, and I know God wanted me to try. So he brought these people in, but, you know, pray. And, and you touched upon something about uh, taking authority and praying over in the past crosses, uh, learning to pray, to rebuke, to repent of believing those, those thoughts and to rebuke them. Uh, and then to, to break any vows that you have made, you know, really look into that stuff. Uh, Father Ripperker, Father Chad Ripperger. I know it's a weird name. Um, maybe I'll, I'll give you a, a link to his uh, YouTube channel. Um, really understand the spiritual. Because for me, the spiritual is the foundation for it all. Mm -hmm. it, it's the foundation. So, uh, And then there's all these other things that you can do. The world is your oyster. You can do anything you want. Just stop blocking yourself in. And you can do anything you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talk to myself like you can do it you know god's gonna do it for you don't worry you know and then it happens and it doesn't happen or whatever you know but um you try if you don't try you're dead inside you have to keep trying so never give up on yourself yeah okay so thank you everybody for joining us um you always know i like closing with a little song i'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and pray a prayer Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. Bye everybody. Mwah, 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 mwah. Bye. Bye and uh, see you at the Advent Retreat. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.